You're listening to the weekly podcast from Solid Ground Church. We hope that this is uplifting and encourages you to take your next step in your relationship with Jesus. If we can be of any help at all, please visit us on the web at solidground.church. Now let's get to this week's message. Hey, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, if we haven't met, uh, my name's Bert. I'm one of the pastors here. Thanks for getting up. Thanks for spending your Sunday with us. And uh, you picked a fun Sunday to join us because we're wrapping up a series today called Right on the Money. Now, here's where we've been thus far, okay? So in week one, what we did was we talked about the idea of debt, right? We talked about like debt being bad, debt being a hard issue, and, and sort of false beliefs that a lot of us carry that like, plunge us into more debt. And then week two, what we did was we talked about a plan, right? We're going to develop a budget. We're going to develop a way to get out of this mess that how many of us have created with our finances in our lives. And last week, we talked about saving, how to put money away, the, the, the right way of that, creating emergency funds and what have you. And today is the talk that I warned you about, because today we're talking about giving. And so go ahead, turn to the person sitting next to you and say, he's coming for my wallet. I knew it. I knew it. I knew he would. I knew it. I was never fooling. So you guys are high five, but that one's a little too much, huh? Like that one, that one you just can't do. Well, look, we are. We're going to talk about giving today, because I believe that giving is life-giving. I do. But before we can do that, I've got to put some disqualifiers, disclaimers, not disqualifiers, some disclaimers <laughs> on the beginning of this talk, okay? Otherwise, I, 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 I get the sense that maybe some of you won't hear a word I have to say if I don't say these things up front. Because when it comes to giving, this can be a sore subject. This can be a sore subject where maybe, like, like just when you hear, the, like, the idea of, of somebody bringing up the idea of giving money away in church, what you associate with is some kind of scam or, or, or like, all this just being a, a means of getting at your wallet. Because I, I just want to own this. I never get mad at people when they just sort of, I think, falsely assume that the church is only interested in them for their money. It's not true. But let's just own this. That, okay, throughout the last 2,000 years of church history, there has not been a shortage of people who have used platforms like mine to, to get up and manipulate other people into making a quick buck. I mean, it's happened. Like, there have been charlatans. There have been people who have taken advantage of other people's trust, who, who have used religion to, to build wealth for themselves. And listen, I think anybody who knows me personally knows that's not, not the case, but, but we don't all know each other. And so, look, here's some things, like, for, for my life and my heart to you that, that maybe might ease your, your trepidation a little bit. Number one, you should just know this, and, and don't laugh when I say this because not everybody knows this, okay? You should just know that, listen, I don't make more money if you give more. I don't. Like the way, the way my salary, it's not like, I, like we've got a big pot and I just sort of scoop into, oh, we had a good haul today. It, 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 it doesn't work that way. Like, like my salary is set by a board of elders independently of me before the previous year is out. So like I'm square for this year. I didn't get a vote in it. They voted without me. They told me to leave the room. So, and it's fine. Okay, I don't make more money if you give more. So don't think that I'm preaching this from some sort of personal selfish game. Next thing I need you to know, okay, if while I'm preaching this, you're like, oh man, Pastor Bert's mad at me for not giving. Oh, you should just know I have no idea who gives what in this church. Like one of the boundaries that we work to deliberately establish is this. I never want to show preference to anybody. I never want to be like, well, okay, since so-and-so is the biggest giver. I've got to make sure that they're happy. Like, and so we don't do this. So listen, I have no idea who gives what in this church. Please don't tell me. Like, well, I gave last. I don't want to know. Because I like being able to serve without any kind of priority or preference. Listen, I love because I love because I love because I love. So if you're like, oh man, Bert's mad at me. Nope. 
Like, in my book, we're square. I'm, I'm sure you are giving. I assume the best. <laughs> and lastly, okay, if you think, oh, they're only interested in me for my money, you should just know that as a church, out of being on mission, we try to stay as much of a place where we never like, get you to be manipulated or, or under some kind of compulsion to give. We as a church say that, listen, Solid Ground Church exists to connect people to Jesus Christ. And we recognize that in our culture, one of the biggest barriers to that happening is this false belief that churches are only interested in people for their money. And so we decided a long time ago, we're just going to not take an offering. Because we would rather, like, listen, you give out of, like, what you're convicted to give, and you can, there's a box in the lobby if you want, but we never wanted you to feel pressured into giving, and we never wanted to put that up needlessly. And so, listen, around here, we're not going to pass a plate today. I'm not judging places that do, but for us, we said, no, thanks. Now, you know why we do that? Because there are verses in the New Testament that we've just taken to heart, and, it, and it's molded the way that we do giving here. So, for instance, here's one of them in 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Here's what Paul says. He says, each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give. So look, I'm not going to try and coax anything out of you today. All I want you to do is be obedient to what God is laying on your heart. So listen, what you decide to give, okay? Not reluctantly or under compulsion. We're not trying like, did you give them sort of looking over your shoulder? No, no, just do or don't, okay? Listen, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God, he says, is able to bless you abundantly. Why, why do we feel the need to not take an offering and trust? Why? Because God is always taking care of us as a church. And so we, have, we, don't have to, we don't have to pull it harshly to that. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Now, this might seem like a no-brainer, but you have to understand— all of us have different backgrounds. All of us have different backstories, and all of us assume different things correctly and incorrectly. So, for instance, years ago, we had a lady who was plugging into our church, and she loved what God was doing here. She wrote positive reviews on Facebook. <laughs> and then one Sunday, she was just gone. I was like, what happened? So I reached out to her, went to coffee. And she said, well, look, I'm just a little upset with how things went down with my money. And I said, well, what went down with your money? Because I didn't know. And she said, she said, well, last, or, or like a couple of Sundays, like my last Sunday there, okay, I, I had received an inheritance. I decided to, to give a large chunk. And so I gave $3,000 to the church. I was like, wow, that's awesome. And she goes, and then you went and took your family to Disney World. <laughs> and I was like, well, we had been saving for that for a year. But, but she, but no, but like it just happened to coincide. Okay, my annual vacation coincided with the Sunday after she did it. And so she just assumed that I was dipping into the pot. And I'm not. I never want you to give out of compulsion. I never want you to be manipulated into giving. I don't think that honors God. I don't think that honors you. And so what I would like to do in our time together today is establish a theology of giving. Big picture. Like, if I were to sort of take the, the scope of Scripture and look at what it says about money and our heart and us and being generous, like, what are some things that we could glean about how we are to give, how we are to prioritize giving, how much we should give? I mean, just all, like, what does the Scripture teach us about the idea of giving? And I got a bunch of things. <laughs> and so if, you, if you're taking notes, man, your, your pen's going to be smoking today. So... Here's the very first thing I want you to understand about the heart behind giving. It's this, we give to put God first. We give to put God first. We do not fit our giving into the life that we want to live. We fit the life that we want to live into our giving. 
like God comes from. And I feel the need to say this because culturally, where many of us are is we assume that feeling and doing are the same thing. Right? So many of us like, we're going, oh, I just love the Lord. I feel so good about God. And it kind of stops there. And we assume that's the same thing as actually, you know, repenting, seeing life. Like, and we just, well, if I feel good, it's the same. So like, think about, okay, like you see a commercial on TV, right? And you see all these kids who are starving. And you go, oh, that's terrible. And then back to my steak dinner. And never give towards it. But I felt bad, so that meant something. Well, not if the kid is still suffering. And we assume that if I feel it, therefore it is. But it's not the same thing at all. We will not be judged on how we felt, but what we did. And so when it comes to this idea of organizing our finances and the way that we give and the things that we get to, we give to put God first. To say it another way, we don't give to tip God. Maybe it's like we, we were raised in church and, you know, the, and, the, and the, like the plate went, went around. And I just happened to have a fiver or a 20 in my wallet. I just plop that sucker in there. Man, I feel good. You see what I just get it? Frank, you saw it. Yeah, it's good, right? On the, on the, what are you going to do now, Frank, right? Like just, okay, but it's this idea like I had a good week. And, I'm, and, and so, you know, God, like, I'll just, yeah, why not? Let's just help and move on. And the idea of giving a percentage of our income and organizing our income around that was completely foreign to us because we thought as long as we just threw something in the plate, we were doing good. We didn't understand that you know, God comes first in everything that we do. And this is true in our area of giving. Proverbs 3.9 puts it this way. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. In other words, this is a principle. It's called first fruits. Okay, like to, to an agricultural society who they were, they were living off of the crops that they grew, here's what they would do, okay? Like when it came time for a harvest, they didn't just sort of set aside like whatever they had left over to give to God. Like, okay, I couldn't sell this anyway. Here you go, God. That guy's offended by that type of stuff in the Old Testament. Instead, when harvest time came, they took the very first fruit of their harvest and they brought it into the temple. This is the first fruit of my giving. Now, the same is true for us. When it comes to how we're paid, we don't just try to fit giving into everything else that we want to do. Right. Years ago, I had a guy who, who was brand new to the faith. We had baptized in our church, and we were talking. And he said, hey, man, I'm really excited. I want to start tying. I said, tying? He goes, tying. I said, oh, 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 oh just to, to clarify, brother, it's, it's called tithing. Um, and it means a tenth of your income. He goes, tenth? I'm like, yeah. He goes, well, um, okay, well, what I want to do, I'm just, I just, just got to get some things organized with my money first, and then I'll consider uh, giving. And, and, and his heart was, he wanted to give, but his priorities were all wrong. And for how many of us, like, hey, listen, I'll start giving once X amount of money is there. It's the thing that we fit into our finances. Now, I'm saying that, that that part that's on our heart is non-negotiable. Like, we start with that, and we organize everything else around it. So, no, we don't, we don't get, like, to fit God into anything. We give because God comes first. If I say, like, listen, Jesus is the leader of my life, he's the Lord, he's the number one, then I show that first and foremost by my giving. With the, the resources that he's given to me, I choose to honor him with. Okay, so that's the first thing. Here's the next thing we want to understand. We view giving as an opportunity, not an obligation. We don't, like, we don't give because like, there's, a, there's a check to be picked up. We give because, gosh, Lord, you gave me everything, and everything that I have is an opportunity for me to further the work of God. It's an opportunity for me to, to bless. It's an opportunity for me to glorify you with how I spend and how I save and, and what I choose to. Like, this is an Thank you that you've entrusted this unique moment to me. It's like the New Testament that you'll find, for instance, 
When the disciples, I mean, just like different mindset. When the disciples are, are first like persecuted and they're beaten for their faith, I don't remember the story in Acts. It says like they left there rejoicing and thanking God that they had the opportunity to suffer for the name. And maybe it's like we just want to get away from anything that's remotely uncomfortable, so we can't even fathom that. But it's just hard. Like, wow, God, I can't believe I get to do this. Like, I'll give you an example. So in, in, in uh, First Chronicles, there's a story where, okay, David, he's reaching the end of his life. And he wants to build a temple to worship the Lord in. And God goes, I love you, but no. And he goes, you know, listen, you're a warrior. Your hands have shed blood. You, you can't build something for me because I love all people. And, and so David goes, well, listen, if I can't build the temple, I'll make it so that my son, who will come after me, has an easier time. So I'll just collect everything for the temple and then let him build it. Wow. I mean, look at that heart. And in 1 Chronicles 29, 14, here's what David says. He says, but who am I? Like, here's his heart behind all that. Why he's worshiping the Lord with what he has. Who am I and what are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Like, God, what even am I that the God of the universe allows me to use what he's entrusted to me to honor him? Like, wow. Okay, everything comes from you, God. I'm only giving you what you've given me. I own nothing. I'm just a steward of my resources. Everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. What is that? Stewardship. God, I want to honor you with what I have. And I've known people who just exemplify this. Like, give me an example. My friends, Mike and Carrie. I was a little while ago, they, they, they got a promotion and their response was joy, not because of how lucrative they were, but the, here, here's what Carrie's exact words were to me. She went, she went, I'm so excited because that's more money I get to give away. What is that? I give out of opportunity, not obligation. Third thing I want us to understand, we give to fund the work of God. We do. The baby agrees. We do. Look, um, we get this, believe it or not, the Bible supports the idea of us paying for things to happen. 2 Corinthians 9, 12, here's what Paul says. says, this service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, and he's talking about the gifts that they've given, uh, others will praise God for obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ. And for your generosity, sharing with them and with everyone else. When you give, you are choosing to sow into something that can never be taken away. The kingdom of God, Jesus says, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Solomon, here's just some things you need to understand like when you choose to give here, okay? Because you give, first of all, I get to do this full time and it's the greatest dream. Like I love this job and I get to eat while doing it. And I, get, and, I get, and, I, and I get to have a roof over my, like me personally, and not just me, the other staff as well. Like, like I, I get to meet with people during the week and when lives are falling apart and somebody's in the hospital or a marriage is something like that. We get to go and be there and help people walk through really, really difficult times. In addition to, I get to write messages. That's fine. You seem to like it. I, 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 because you give, hey, we're in this building and guess what? This building costs money. There's rent to pay. And there's electricity. Like the lights out here, that costs something. And the reason the lights are on is because you gave. 
And because you gave, check this out. Here's where it gets cool, okay? Because we get to have a place of worship, you want to talk about this idea of like the kingdom going forward through what you've done? I want you to understand that the work of the church is happening because of you, because you gave. I'll just give you some examples. Last year, last year alone, 38 people decided to follow Jesus right here at Solid Ground, okay? Yeah, we, we celebrate that, okay? Oh, that's modest and a golf clap. Come on, that's what we're all about. Hmm. Snatch from death to life? Yeah, okay, sure. Right. <laughs> Last year, 14 people took their next steps in baptism because you gave. Because you gave, 100 people plugged into community groups to begin their discipleship, growing in their relationship with Jesus. We got to do that because you were faithful. Hey, beyond just the building right here. Okay, our church sows radically into our area's young life. A ministry that's designed to connect high school students to Jesus on their level. Many of whom have never heard the gospel. And so, you know, we give to that every single week. And then we provide the building for them to meet in on Monday nights. Why? Because you gave. Hey, because you gave, I just want you to understand this. Because you gave our church this past year, we joined the ARC Network of Churches. You've heard me talk about that a lot. Argus is the number one church planting organization in the country right now. And just since we joined, because of financial contributions like yours, 35 life-giving churches have kicked off just since September. Okay? And, and check it out. At those 35 churches, I got the numbers. At those 35 churches, 445 people have decided to follow Jesus. Because you gave. And today, beyond those 35, today is kickoff Sunday for another 15 churches across the country. And you gave. Because you gave, we get to sow into organizations like Samaritan's Purse. Right? And, and we give to people who provide relief during nat like natural disasters. Like you know, a hurricane hits and Samaritan Purse shows up to help people rebuild their lives. And, and everything that's crumbling around them, you gave. And we got to sow into the lives of impoverished children. Education, medicine, food, and clothes. You gave, and what we got to do was invest in ministries like Mercy Multiplied, which is an organization that helps young women in crisis who are victims of abuse, assault, who are finding like, themselves with un unplanned pregnancies, who are just going through life like, oh my gosh. And because you gave, they got hope. Because you gave, our church has benevolence, and so we're able to help members of our congregation who are struggling to pay their bills, like, like who don't have enough to, like, to get the electricity in their house or food on the table. Like, you gave and we gave. Why? Because when you give, you further the work of God on the earth, and you have been giving in such abundance that we've been able to keep putting money aside so that when the time is right, we're able to build something new. And we'll keep saving. Because we want to see this community connected to Jesus. But you know what? You did that. You did that. And so the question becomes, okay, well, that's neat. And if we talked about like the heart behind it, we talked about it's not an obligation, talked about it's an opportunity, talked about okay, like we give to put God first and we want to fund the work of God. Here's the million dollar question that everybody wants to know right now. Okay, here it is. How much should I be giving? Right? Like, what do I do? Oh, okay. What, what's, right, like, what's right for me to give? Ooh. And it's here that I just need to clarify a couple of things. Because again, history of religion shows that, come on, there have been charlatans, right? And how many of you have heard the story of an innocent grandma, right? And she's struggling to get by. And a smooth-talking preacher shows up. Or a televangelist comes on the screen. 
says, if you give, God will bless you. And so she gives her last dime and her house is foreclosed on. Those stories aren't rare. And here's the thing, I just need you to know, okay, if that's what, like if you are struggling right now financially, here's the thing, I just, I just like from my heart, I want you to understand, listen, if you have to choose between giving here and feeding your family, please feed your family. Like, if it comes down to it, like, if you have to choose between this church, like, being provided for financially, like, as a whole, and your kids eating or the rent being paid, keep your money. Now, to clarify, I did not include cell phones and cable in that. I can't afford to. Yeah, but you got the full package there, dog. All right, look. But we've got to say this. And by the way, if, if, that may, if that sort of stirs on you because you were raised in a church environment that taught you to feel good, to like, well, if I don't give all the time, I don't love God, you should just know that the Bible gives you a lot more leeway than you think. Actually, there's this great instance in 2 Corinthians 8, 13 where Paul's addressing this group of people who are giving. Here's what he says, 2 Corinthians 8, 13. He says, our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed. Meaning, we don't want you to give so that you relieve others, but then you find yourself in debt, and we've got to take a collection for you. No, no, but that there might be equality. We don't want you to give at the expense of you eating. And so here's what I would say. Listen, if that's where you are, keep your money, and then I want you to do me a big old favor. Reach out to us and let us know that's where you are so that we can help you in any way that we possibly can. Okay? Now, that's for those, I'm pressed, I can't pay the rent, can't pay the electric bill, can't eat. Okay, yeah, okay. But the question becomes, okay, well, maybe that's not where I am. What does the scripture say about how much I should be giving? And that's where the Old Testament gets tricky. Really tricky. You find this first idea that that sort of runs concurrent throughout the Old Testament, the idea of the tithe, giving a 10% of your income, right? And it starts actually before Moses in the Old Testament law. So some people think like tithing is is, is Old Testament law. It's not. In fact, the first instance that I'm aware of with it comes from Abraham, who lives under a covenant of faith, right? Like like Abraham believed God. God credited it to him as righteousness, right? Like that Abraham. In fact, there's a point where God delivers Abraham from some enemies, and here's his response. It says in Genesis 14, 20, then Abraham gave him, talking about a priest, a tenth of everything. So Abraham began to tithe. And it's not isolated to Abraham. You also find Jacob in Genesis 28 when he's on the run and God blesses him and takes care of him. He goes, I'm going to give you a tenth of everything that I have. And then the Old Testament goes forward and the law is given and God begins to give his people, here's exactly what I expect from you. No more, no less. And this is what he speaks through Moses in Leviticus 27:30. He says, a tithe or tenth of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. He continues, whoever would redeem any of their tithe must add a fifth of value to it. He continues again, every tithe of the herd and flock, every tenth animal that passes under the shepherd's rod will be holy to the Lord. So, okay, okay, tithe, tithe, tithe. Everything you got, 10% of. Everything you got, 10% of. Start with that 10%. You give that to God first. You give him your first fruits. And then everything else, you give 10, you keep 90, do with it whatever you one, and this goes throughout the rest of the Old Testament all the way to the last book of the Old Testament. In Malachi, God says this to the people through the prophet. He says, will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. How? But you ask, how are we robbing you? He says, in tithes and offerings. Guys, you're holding back that 10% that is mine. And you're robbing me. I've given you everything. And all I ask is that you honor me with that. And you go, oh. And then we go to the New Testament. 
And now the question becomes, what do we do? Because when it comes to the New Testament, tithing isn't really talked about at all. And we go from law to grace. And then in the New Testament, the concept of giving just explodes. I mean, it just explodes, okay? Because we go from this like 10%, like, okay, this is God's, you're required to give this to people going nuts. I mean, it's like they're filled with the Holy Spirit and they're like, you know what? Like my life isn't even about this place anymore. How many of us just need to hear this? Okay, because we're raised as Americans and we believe life is about building a little kingdom for ourselves right here. Hey, okay. And God said that they're going to like, all my stuff's going to perish anyway. Jesus is coming back. It's all up for grabs. Whoa. And so like you find stories and descriptions of the first churches. I'll give you, here's the first church ever in Acts 2. Here's what it says about them. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Everything, everything. They sold property and possessions to give away to anyone who had need. Because when the New Testament hits, they're listen, there's not going to be a single person in poverty on my watch. If you're in Christ, if you're suffering, if you can't get by, I will not tolerate that. I will use my wealth and everything that I've got to keep you fed. That's New Testament. So for the person who wants to use the New Testament as a dodge, let me just say that, okay? Some of you know your Bible really well. And because New Testament doesn't talk about tithing, you assume that means you don't have to give. But what you, please, I love you, but you need to hear this. You're greedy. And the reason you justify not giving is because you love your money more than you love other people and love God. The New Testament model is not shortchanging, it's everything. And this isn't isolated. Another description of a church, Acts 4, says it this way in verse 32. All the believers were in one heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And by the way, how many of us, we pray for that, right? We go, listen, God, like, would you bring a revival? Would you make the church now like it was in the beginning? And we pray for the first half of this. We want signs and wonders. But the giving up our stuff... And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. For from, the time, or from time to time, those who owned land and houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. That's New Testament. New Testament is, I will not tolerate there ever being a need. So hey, some of you, I'm just going to own this because we're in a retirement community. Some of you have three houses. You don't need them. Sell it. Stop living in this gluttonous way and start funding the work of God. Some of you like you have land you're doing nothing with. God, what do you want for my life? How about that? And if you're so offended by, oh, I knew it. he was after my money, give somewhere else then. If that's what I'm all about, well, fine, give it somewhere else to the work of God. That's fine with me. But here's the thing, by the way, I'm not espousing communism. Because none of this is mandated. These are hearts that are transformed by the Holy Spirit. My stuff can't hold me. It's about Jesus. And this thing I want you to understand, okay, like we're talking about, okay, like, what does the New Testament, like being under the covenant of grace in Jesus, require me to give? Here's, like, here, back to our first question. How much should I be, can we bring it up here, Mikey? How much should I be giving? It's the wrong question. The right question is this. What are you convicted to give? It's not on anything being required of you. It's about your priority of heart. And if you can carve out all this stuff for you, but like when it comes to giving sacrificially, like if the only like amount that you give allows you to get everything that you want for yourself at the end of the day, your priorities are out of whack. 
I know that's scary. We're talking about lessons starting with the number that we're convicted to give and then working everything else around it. And that might wreck and throw a wrench in our plans, and it's terrifying. So we want to help you. I'm not asking you to give anything more or less than you are convicted by the Spirit of God to give. But I would say this. There are some of you that voice has gone, gone cold, and the reason it's gone cold is because you've been shutting him out for so long. So maybe for you, you need to start with a tithe just to make yourself uncomfortable. I don't know. But here, I'm going to give you an on-ramp. And let me say it this way, okay? Because right now when we talk about like giving sacrificially, there's this fear like, what if I'm not okay? And I don't judge you for fearing that. I think of it this way. So um, how many of you have ever been to a circus or seen a circus or wear the concept of a circus? Hands up, okay? Yeah, of course, all right? You know, circus, bear driving a car, clowns, yeah. I assume there's a bear driving a car. <laughs> it's been a long time. I'm not very trying to go. So anyway, okay. You know one of the main acts that they have at a circus is a trapeze, right? You got like people high up. They've got the bar. They're swinging back and forth. They're flying through the air. And be like, oh, right? They catch it. They're fine. And then there's like, if they're really good at it, you hear, you hear the, the, the rain leader, right? He's like, and now they're going to do the trapeze without the aid of a net, which makes it all the more dangerous. And we're like, oh, you know? Here's the funny thing about trapeze artists. They don't start without a net. Right? Like, with that depth, of, like, like, defying crazy stunt, they don't start, you know what, just get rid of that, I'll figure it out when I'm in the air. <laughs> no, but of course not, okay? And yet, here's the thing I want you to understand. Like, when it comes to giving, it's scary too. Which is why we're doing it as a church right now for you is creating a net for you. And here's what it's called, the tithing challenge. The tithing challenge, here's what it is, Okay? If you are convicted, and listen, give only what you're convicted to give. If you are convicted to, to begin with tithing and starting with that, you're going to be like, that's a lot. Like, what if I'm not okay? Here's what I want you to know, okay? I want you to, like, okay, if you're going to start, if you're going to create and use this, this net, okay, I want you to tithe. This is where you're convicted to give, okay, for the next three months. Next three months, okay? Every Sunday, like, when, or whenever you're paid, give 10% of it, okay? Right, and organize your finances around that properly. But here's the deal, Okay. If you believe, like when you're done with it, like you're not satisfied with doing that, you're struggling to get by, you believe God hasn't taken care of you or provided for you, if that's where you are at the end of that, we will give you all your money back. All of it. Okay? Now, I will say this, okay? If you're in on that and you decide to give cash, you got to log it on the envelopes at the giving box, okay? Because listen, we're religious, but we're not stupid. So we don't somebody coming up and being like, oh yeah, I gave $10,000. Like, like, do you have proof of that? Now, digital and check... Our team logs that, but cash, put it in an envelope. Okay, but listen, for the next three months, be obedient to your heart, and if you're not okay, we'll give it back. And by the way, here's where it gets even crazier. Did you know that the Bible actually tells you that you'll be okay? Malachi 3.10, here's what God says. He says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouses, that there may be food in my house. Okay, listen, give that 10%. You give what's due to me, like you prioritize doing it, so that my house may be a place where people eat, so that my house may be a place of abundance. Now, by the way, what would happen if we were a church of abundance? Like, all you like, like oh, I want us to be in a bigger building. Are you going to give to make it happen? Because I don't know if you know there's not property around here. Ain't cheap. Saying. And by the way, but what would happen? And I, I just I, take this for a moment, okay? Look, let me say it this way. So a couple weeks ago, I was looking at a facility with, with a member of our team, right? And we're going through it. And the asking price huh, on a place that's about as big as we have right now was half a million dollars. And we're walking through with the realtor, and he says, I think it'd be a great fit. I'll bet you do. <laughs> and he said, You know, we've had a lot of churches interested in this place. And he said this line, he said, 
But the problem is churches have a lot of vision, but not a lot of money. He's not wrong. Like, why is it that in our area, a beer company is doing better than any church I've ever heard of? I think that puts us to shame as the people of God. Here's God going, listen, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. And then look at this line, test me in this, says the Lord. Doesn't the Bible say don't put the Lord to the test? Yeah, here you get a pass. Test me in You want to see if, if I'm true? You want to see if I'm faithful? Good, put me to the test on this. You bring in your tithe, you watch what I do. And look at this, and see, he says, if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. You know, listen, you go ahead and you be faithful. You start with that tithe and you test me and see if I don't take care of you. You test me and see if I don't make it so abundant that you're tripping over it. Church, can I tell you something? As you pray this through, look, and just we're almost done, okay? When we began this series, I told you this, and I've said this, I think, every week, okay? Listen, the reason this was an awkward series for me is because I'm not a money guy, right? And it's all I've been doing in this series is just sharing my notes with you. I've said this again and again and again. Here's just something I want you to know, though, okay? I, like, and again, I have made some stupid financial decisions in my life. I absolutely have. I absolutely have. And so I have been financially stupid. I have. But I've also always been financially faithful. Tithing was never an option. I had to do that. Like, that was the number convicted on my heart I was going to. I would start with the tithe, always. And here's the thing I can tell you from experience. God has always taken care of me. Always. I'll give you an example. Like when Kate and I weren't logging our expenses, and we didn't know how much we were spending. I remember there was a time about five, six years ago, I think it was, where we got hit with a bill we weren't anticipating for 500 bucks. And we're freaking out because we didn't have 500 bucks. Ah, right? And at the time I was working, I was working on the side over at the movie theater and one there, I was running the projectors. I remember this, this night vividly, I'm walking through the big dark hallway with the projectors and I'm just flipping out. I don't know if you've ever had a moment like this where you decide to be honest with God about how you're actually feeling, you know? You haven't, great, you're more spiritual than me. So I'm, so I'm up there, I'm like, God, like, I don't understand. Because, like, okay, while that's going on, I just had like a couple people in the church do a really, really horrible thing. And like, they're gone now, so you don't have to worry about them. But like, like it's this bad thing. I was like, oh my God, like, I don't get like, like, where are you? Why are you taking care of me? Like, I thought we'd be okay, and we're not. Just, oh, I'm sure you've never been there in your life. Like, God, where are you? You've never thought that. There, I'm like, God, where are you? And while I'm sort of lamenting with this, because the, 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 the bill was just a catalyst for me losing it. My phone buzzes. <laughs> I have an inbox message on Twitter. I'm not even on Twitter that much. Like now I'm off, but like then I was barely on it. And it's from a guy I hadn't talked to in like three years. And this is all that it said. It just said, heaven is your home, earth is your preparation. And I'm like, that's a good line. <laughs> See, I mean, you know, I'll, I'll call him. I'll call him. I mean, it's just so weird that of all times he's texting, or he's saying this right now. So I, I call him. And he goes, he goes, hey, man, how are you doing? And you remember this moment in your life where when somebody asks you that, it's like the cork coming off the bottle? You know what I'm talking about? Like, they ask you at the, at the time where you're actually going to tell them how you're doing, right? It's like, how are you doing? It's like, blah, just every, like everything just coming out, everything that's wrong, right? except for my bill. I ain't going to bring that up because I'm a guy, and that's embarrassing to me. 
Ah, right? And he goes, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, hey, how are you doing financially? <sighs> okay, you, you, you want to know the truth? Um, we got hit with this bill for 500 bucks and we were anticipating it. I don't know what we're going to do. He goes, yeah, about that. Um, hey, just so you know, the whole reason I reached out to you tonight, I don't know where God just told me to send you a check for 500 bucks. <laughs> what is that? Test me and see. Test me and see if I don't open the heavens. Test me and see if I don't take care of you. Church, I dare you to trust God. I dare, I, I dare you listen. To, listen, I'm not talking about uh, just uh, like, I'm not trying to manipulate you. Please only give what you're convicted to give. But right now there's some of you, this has been the thing you've been waiting for. You're like, I want to, but I just, like, how do I know? How you know is the word says, and we've given you a safety net. <laughs> if he don't come through like the way that he says he will, and he will, we'll give you a back. Like, what do you have to lose? Nothing. So what would happen in your life? What ways would God radically take care of you if you chose to be faithful? And you chose to step out in faith. And you chose to put him first with your priorities. I think he'll be faithful. But, and here's the fun part, you will never know unless you're given an opportunity to be. So let me pray for you. Heavenly Father. Oh, yeah, and you are a good father. Lord, of all the titles, of all the ways you could choose to reveal yourself, to, to ask us to relate to you, you choose the mantle of father. One who is love, one who is good and kind, one who provides. This is the way that you've said, listen, when, I, when you think of me, I want you to think of me like that. And we believe that you do provide. And we believe that you are faithful. And we love you for it. We love you because even when we didn't think about you at all, you were thinking about us. Lord, we believe that you would take care of all of our needs. And we believe that you've taken care of our greatest need. Some of you, like while we're praying today, here's the deal. Um, you have a much bigger need than some more money in your account. And it's this, you need God to save you. You've been dead in your sin until this moment. Like, like, and where you were, you were living for yourself. You were rebelling against God, but I've got good news for you. God looks at you with love and he wants to save you that right now, if you will call out to him, he will wipe away your past and he will make you right with him. How he has done this is like, while we were furthest from God, he sent his son, Jesus, into the world. Jesus lived a life without sin and he died in our place. The wrath of God came on him instead of us. Jesus died for our sin and God raised him from the dead. He broke the power of death to give you new life. And so if you will call on the name of Jesus right now, he will save you. And so if that's where you are, if you would say, I don't know Jesus, but I'd like to, I want you to pray with me. And here's what we're gonna pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. God, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm sorry for living for me. I believe you sent Jesus to save me. And I'm asking you to do that now.
I hand my life over to you. Please come into it. Fill me with your spirit and show me how to follow you. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.